Hallelujah. It's in our worship that He will point you in the direction of your destiny. It's in your times of worship that He will direct you and guide you and empower you. Worship is, you've heard me say, is not about the songs we sing, but it's about the life that we live from a heart surrendered to the Father. Jesus' determination to follow the Father was Jesus' life of worship. Him being baptized by John and not getting things out of order. John was like, no, I need to be baptized by you. And Jesus said, no, no, it, it, it's, we must. He told John, he goes, we must fulfill all righteousness. And so Jesus going to the river Jordan that day was an act of worship. And when he brought himself in front of John, in the natural, as men, we could say, yeah, yeah, I could, I'm going to be the son of God. Yeah, I'm the son of God. Yeah, I should baptize. No, he had to be submitted. And and it was when he came up out of the water and the Holy Spirit came upon him. You ever thought about in this moment right now where we are in the presence of the Holy Ghost? The same one that empowered Jesus and came upon Jesus is the same one that came upon us. We did not get a lesser Holy Ghost than Jesus did. There's nothing you do not lack to overcome every temptation, every attack of the enemy, every setback you might face. You are anointed by God because you have been given the Holy Ghost. Mm. So when you choose and when we choose to worship, hallelujah, he'll direct us in our destiny. He'll empower us in our destiny. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Oh, yes, Holy Spirit. Oh, bring gifts. Bring, bring the gifts to the surface. Oh, yes, Father. Bring the wisdom up that's needed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What every man is pressing into. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, that they would know that their calling is calling. Hallelujah. That their calling is calling. Hallelujah. That their calling is calling. Hallelujah. 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 That they hear your voice in this hour. 
Hallelujah, that they hear your voice now in this season, that, that you solidify some things down on the inside of them, that, that no longer would they go through the motions of life, no longer would they just go through, but they would recognize the significance of a life called. Hallelujah, hallelujah, that they would know that they are significant because they have a calling upon their life. Hallelujah, hallelujah, and it's far greater than they realize. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Lord, you said, the psalmist said, Lord, that you teach our hands to war. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, that we are warriors. Thank you, Lord, that we are soldiers. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Mm. Thank you, Father. Mm. Hallelujah. We worship you. Lord, just by being here today is an act of worship. Mm. So many other things that we could be doing right now. Lord, I just sense something significant is going to happen over this next little bit, Father, while we, while the word comes forth. Mm, It's going to set courses. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mm. It's going to bring understanding. Hallelujah. So we thank you, Father. We thank you for it. We have an expectancy. Let your river flow through this place. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. There's a river. There's a river that makes glad the city of our God. Hallelujah. Mm. We praise you, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Mm. Hallelujah. Mm. We love you, Lord. Oh, we praise you, Father. Mm. Hallelujah. You can go ahead and be seated. Well, I had I had studied and prepared a message and um, thought I was all done and started praying over it and then realized I'm not supposed to preach that so I wasn't sure if I was going to do two separate messages this morning or not but I uh, ended up changing and um, uh, I want to I'm going to talk about um, that you're anointed yes. and um, I think. Uh, um, it's something you need to solidify in your heart. I know it's a, it's a, it can be a super spiritual word, so to speak, but it needs to be something that you embrace as yours. And often we can, we can think about, well, the minister is anointed. The, 
you know, that apostle is anointed, that prophet is anointed, and, um, but not realizing that you need, anoint, you need an anointing to live. There is, a, there is a grace to live. And another word for grace is anointing. What is anointing? Anointing is, is God's ability coming upon your life to help you do what you couldn't do in your own ability. Without the anointing upon Jesus, Jesus couldn't do what Jesus did. Amen. And the grace of God is the same thing. The grace of God is the favor of God. The grace of God is unmerited favor, meaning it's something you didn't deserve or something you didn't earn. But grace is, is, um, is preferential treatment. Grace is the same thing. It's like his grace upon our lives. Paul said, said by his grace, he goes, he goes when, he's, he, when I'm weak, he's strong. Why? Because of the grace of God upon his life. And, and we could call that, that word grace for this morning, we're going we're gonna to call it anointed. Now, uh, go to Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 10, and uh, last, uh, last night, Dr. Phil gave us so much wisdom last night, do you agree? You know, um, you know I, I, with my fingers typing, I probably didn't get all these right, but the winner's 10, he said, uh, never lose confidence in the work that God began in you. He also said, always expect God to turn things around, never allow Satan to intimidate you, Stay, stay humble before God and expect him to exalt you. Um, don't let uh, go of God's word, no matter how impossible it looks. He said, never quit. Um, uh, n- never. <laughs> then he said, never quit teaching. Can Satan take your voice? But that wasn't one of the 10. But um, he said, protect yourself from deception. And that was actually the message that I was going to teach about. But maybe we'll do that another time. Um, no hanging on to the past, always maintain joy, don't stop planting seed, and realize God is your source of supply. If you want to go back and listen to that, um, we have a new platform that we're using, so we've trans- uh, transitioned everything over through this uh, new program that we're using. Uh, but if you want to listen to it, it has its own se- separate thing, so you go to Heritage of Faith Men. So whether iTunes, Spotify, whatever platform you might listen to, you can search on search for Heritage of Faith Men, or you go to the Church Center app, and you can you can listen to the men's messages there, and as well as past men's meetings as well. You can get there. Um, but I want to get into this about uh, you're anointed. Say I'm anointed. anointed. Acts chapter ten, and I and I brought the scripture out last night, and because this is when things started changing was last night from what I was going to share, and the story we pick the story up realizing. It's Peter having an encounter with God. Peter having an encounter with God. And he's having an encounter with God because there was a Gentile, a leader, that had a desire for God. It's amazing that, that you had Cornelius that was not a Jewish man. Through his giving and his prayers got heaven's attention. Do you realize there's things that you do in the natural that get God's attention? There's things that you can do in your giving that gets God's attention and, you're, and, and that God never told you to do it. And you're like, well, what, what, wouldn't that be wrong? Well, no, Corinthians tells us that let a man give as he's purposed in his heart. Yeah, there's giving that you can do from a position of obedience. 
But there's also in giving that you know the word of God and you know how God responds to sowing seed and you can, you can step in there and say, no, God, I love you this much that I'm going to, that this is what I have a desire in my heart to do. And maybe God put that desire there to begin with. But this is what your purpose in your heart. But yet this man, it said, through his giving and through his prayers, God responded to go minister to Peter and say, and, and to, so much that Peter had a visitation of the Lord and saw a vision about these four-footed, these hooved animals coming down. And Peter's like, no, God, I, we, hey, I'm Jewish. We don't eat that stuff. And he goes, kill and eat. And Peter's like, what? Come on, man. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't do this. I, I mean, I'm Jewish. Come on, God, don't you know who I am? I'm Jewish. I don't, we don't eat that stuff. You told us not to eat that stuff. And so he has this vision several times, and, and finally he comes out, and, and God speaks to him, and, and this is this conversation that he's having. It's, uh, verse 13 says, and the voice came to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And a voice spoke to him again the second time, said, what God has cleansed, you must not call common. This was done three times, and the object was taken up into heaven. So this was three times God told him this. And he says, what, what you call common, I'm, I'm calling it's uncommon. Even though he was dealing with a vision that had to do with just food, he wasn't dealing with food. He was dealing with people. And you talk about racism. <laughs> Everyone hated each other. And, they, and they, you know what? They were the same color skin. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. I was uh, at a meeting with T.D. Jakes, and uh, it was a small group of ministers, and he he was talking and he said, he goes, years ago, he said he wrote a book and, and he was about finished it. And he was on the, he was on the beach at, at uh, looking over at Cape Town, actually on the beach at Cape Town, right on the Cape there. And he's there and he's about to, and he's praying over this book that he's about to finish. He's on the last chapter of writing it. And God says, don't, don't, don't write that book. And he goes, why not write this book? And he said, because the book was all about, I think it was called Shades of Gray, I think is what he was going to title it. And he said, and he goes, because it was all about black and white. And he was like, he was like, um, God said, he goes, he goes, racism isn't a black and white thing. And he, and he took him through the world. And he goes, well, if that's the case, then why do Russia hate the Ukraines? They're the same color. Why do the Meru hate the Maasai? They're the same color. I mean, you got 49 different tribes. Was it 49 different tribes, G, in, in Kenya? <laughs> and you know what? They don't all like each other. <laughs> but yet they have the same color skin. So racism is not a black-white thing. It is a Satan thing that divides people from destiny. And, and so here, here God was, was, was trying to get the church to understand that God is more interested than the, in, in, in every person, not just the Jewish race. Amen. 
And so that's what this whole conversation is about of, of Peter's calling himself uncommon, meaning uncommon is you're extraordinary. But yet Peter's seeing everyone else around him as just ordinary and common. And I'm, I'm going to get to a point with this. Now, let's keep reading. It says, it, says this, it says, verse 17, now, while Peter wondered within himself what this vision which he had had seen meant, behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. And they called and they asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. While Peter thought about the vision... The Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. Arise, therefore, go down and go with him, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Then Peter went down to the men who had been sent to him from Cornelius and said, Yes, I am he whom you seek. For what reason have you come? And they said, Cornelius the centurion says he's a just man who fears God and has a good reputation among all the nation of the Jews. And divinely instructed by the holy angel to summon you to his house and to hear words from you, then he invited them in and lodged them. And on the next day, Peter went away with them, and some brethren from Joppa accompanied him. Let's go to verse 25. As Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him, fell down at his feet, and worshipped him. Wow. But Peter lifted him up, saying, stand up. I myself am also a man. Wow. Something shifted in the heart of Peter. Meaning he had all of a sudden there was something changing in his heart. I'm a man just like you are. I'm not greater than you. I'm just like you. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many who had come together. Then he said to them, you know how unlawful it is for the Jew, Jewish men to keep company with and, or go to one of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. The word common means ordinary, unhallowed, profane, unclean. So God says, don't call common what I call uncommon. I want to throw out a couple of thoughts. One, as men, you need to stop embracing the identity of the enemy. We, as men, need to stop embracing the identity of the enemy. And it's not so much of what, as a, a world, we may call each other based on our culture, our race, or our skin color, but I'm talking about what the enemy says to you in secret. Because for me, in, in this morning, this conversation of common and uncommon really is about how you see yourself. Do you see yourself as common or do you see yourself as uncommon? Do you see yourself as unclean or do you see yourself as righteous? Do you see yourself as ordinary or do you see yourself as someone that's extraordinary? Do you see yourself as, as one that is without ability or do you see yourself with ability? How do you see yourself? 
Don't call. Stop calling yourself the labels the enemy has given you. And that, those labels may have come from, you know, parents. Those labels may have come from people you work with. Those labels may have come from your past mistakes, your failures, or whatever. But I understand the conversations that you may have within yourself. I know the conversations of, I can't do that, or I'll never amount to anything, or I'll always come up short. I know the conversations of, of I, I failed them and I'll fail them again. I, I know the conversations of, of, yes, this will work for so long, but then it's eventually going to, going to fail, or they're going to let me down, that pastor's going to do this, or this is going to happen, and that's going to happen, and, and you know I'm never going to measure up, and I'm going to give in to the temptation every time, and, and all that. So what that is doing is, is you're having a conversation about what's clean and what's unclean. You're having a conversation of the fact that you're, you're more, we're, so often we focus more on our inabilities instead of God's abilities. Yes. So often we'll focus on, on um, our, our, uh, our lack of experience instead of realizing, wait a minute, but God's with me. And, and if we're not careful, we'll, have, we'll play, have an inner dialogue about everyone around us and we'll allow everything, the media and the world to shape what we think is really going on when all the time God says, I just want you to step into my uncommonness. <laughs> because you, you get the moment you take on the label of the enemy, you get stuck. And all of a sudden, now you, then, then all of a sudden we start separating ourselves into these groups of, of people that are in this situation. And now we start identifying with everyone else instead of identifying with God. Yes. Amen. And we will fight wars we're never meant to fight. We'll have arguments we should never have. And, and then all of a sudden it gets petty and it gets natural when all of a sudden we should be focusing on the fact that. I am uncommon. My God. My God. God doesn't call you sinner any longer. Now, there's a time that we'll stand at a judgment seat. And we're going to be, you know, there, there's going to be a group of people that will stand at a judgment seat that, that rejected Jesus. For the believers, we're going to stand in front of Jesus. We're going to stand and our, our works, yeah, our works are going to be judged. But our works being judged is that that judgment seat is not about whether we're going to heaven or hell. I don't have time to get into the different judgments. But the point for us to understand is, is no, I am uncommon. I am not ordinary. I'm not ordinary. I'm not ordinary. Amen. But you know, there was a lot of times in my life where I was okay with ordinary. I was okay with, I want to be like everyone else. Sometimes it's uncomfortable to stand above the crowd. Amen. It's, you know what? what? Dr. Savell, one of the most amazing messages, a series, I should say, is the law of progression. You're, if, if you haven't listed, go online. You can find it on YouTube. 
and it's called The Law of Progression, and it's the story of the canoe story. Has anyone not heard the, sto- the canoe story? Anyone? Most, I'm telling you, it, it's, it, it'll change your life. And I mean, the whole aspect of the story is, is, you know, to go, it's easy to go with the flow of the rest of the world. You know, if you go, if you hop in a river and you're in a canoe, the river is going to run. Because if the river's not running, then it ends up becoming a pond. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's a, so it's, it's running, it's going somewhere. So you throw, you throw that in, just try it sometime if you, when you're in a river, just throw a leaf in. That leaf is going to go the direction of the current of that river. And so the same thing, you get in that boat and that's kind of like the world. We get in that boat and, and you know what? You don't have to paddle to go downstream. You're going to go downstream. And that's what living in the world is like. You just live in this world. You're just going to go the direction of everyone else. And, 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 and so often we're okay with it. Okay. And be fine with it. But yet on the inside, it's like you're going that way. And I, 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 was, I was going that way as an unbeliever. But you know, there was times in my life as a believer, I was actually going that way as a believer. Just, well, I'm saved now, but. <laughs> but you know what? To go the other direction, you're going to have to paddle. <laughs> you know, and it's work going upstream. It, it's work going upstream. But you know what? The moment you stop paddling. <laughs> But it's going to take a different mindset if we're going to be uncommon. We have to have a different, you need a different mindset. If you could have defeated your battle with pornography by yourself, you wouldn't have needed Jesus. If you could, if you could defeat the addictions that you may face, anger issues might have, then you wouldn't have needed Jesus. It means we need, you need a different mindset on how you fight and how you, you're going to have to have a different mindset when you leave here today as it pertains to the relationship in your life and how it pertains to the calling upon your life. I, I, I mean, I've been there I, years ago, sitting and hearing a minister talk and yet still carrying struggles in my life, I couldn't see the fact that God had a call on my life because I couldn't see it in spite of my issues. But I had to get it, gain a different mindset because the long, as long as you keep seeing yourself as common, you'll stay common. But when you change your mindset, well, no, I'm uncommon. I'm uncommon. I'm not ordinary. I'm not unclean. Romans 14, 14. Romans 14, 14. Verse 12 says, So then each of us shall give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore. Let me read that again. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's way. 
this is a side note. It's not having to do with anything I'm saying. It just came up in my heart. We need to champion the anointing in each other's lives. Let us not judge one another. What is, what is racism? It's a judgment against another person. Judging them based on something exterior. It's, a, it's, it's, it's putting things in the class of you're common, but I'm uncommon. It's, it's trying to decide things. So he says, hey, let's resolve this. So let's just not put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's way. Verse 14, I know, now listen, I know and convinced by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. What does that mean? You determine whether you walk in the anointing God's place in your life or not. Or not. Because mm-hmm. what does he say here? He goes, he goes I know and convinc- he's convinced of this by the Lord Jesus that there's nothing unclean. He's talking about people here. There's nothing. There, he said that there is nothing unclean of itself. God's saying, I didn't make them or you unclean. But to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. Meaning if you consider yourself as unclean, then that's how you're going to live and that's how you're going to walk. What revelation do you have about yourself? Because if you consider yourself a failure, then that's what you're going to be. If you're going to be defined by something outward being defined about how, how short you are, how fat you are, how tall you are, or, or this or that, or define yourself by your finances or, or whatever it says, then you're going you're gonna to be really enslaved to that. Because if you consider yourself as unclean, then you'll always not measure up to the standard that God has set. Amen. Say, I'm not unclean. I'm not. You say, well, pastor, you mean you don't, you don't know what, I, what I've been doing. It doesn't matter what you've been doing. The thing is, is you need to start seeing yourself in the identity of who God created and has made you to be. You are a winner in life. But, but, but pastor, I'm, I'm failing week after week. No, you are a winner in life. You know, I, I would, uh, the first time I ever had the opportunity to really say anything on a platform for Jerry Savelle Ministries, it was, we had these meetings every spring called Revival Fires. Um, now it, now it's, we've shifted it because it's mainly uh, just people that support our missions. Um, and they, they come in from all over the world and in our international offices. And, and so this particular year, um, we had, I'd left the, so I finished Bible school. I went to the ministry and worked in production uh, for a couple years. And they, then they asked me to develop the correspondence school. And so, so that's what I was doing. And it was the first year uh, we were just about to release the first uh, lesson. It was a passion for God and a passion for souls. And, um, and so in that meeting, we were actually going to announce it for the first time about this correspondence school. And, um, and, so, and so the, 
they did praise and worship and um, Dr. Sill came up and uh, Brother Kenneth Copeland was the speaker that night. He's sitting right where Philip is. I was sitting over here. Darcy said, um, Justin, he's, uh, you know, he's the one that's directing our correspondence school. And I'm going to have him come up and tell you a little bit about it. I come up there. I'm standing there. Forgot my name. I didn't even know we had a correspondence school. I, I, had, I had scriptures. I had this long thing that I had re- rehearsed in front of the mirror for three days. But when I got up and I looked at Brother Copeland in those piercing eyes, I went totally blank. And I remembered one of the scriptures, it was Hebrews 5, and it says, the, the scripture goes, it goes, uh, now I forgot the scripture. <laughs> but I'm standing there and I'm going, and I had other things to say, but I was like, Hebrews 5 tells us that, that uh, you know, he, he who has, uh, you, you should be teachers by now, but you're unscathed on the word of righteousness. And we have a correspondence going in. It'd be nice if you know now and then. Okay, good night. Just to see you. Okay, bye. That was what I did. Do you think I ever wanted to get up and talk in front of anyone ever again? Now, this is a room full. This room was packed. We had an overflow outside in the parking lot. So, but yet, if I saw myself as I could never communicate, well, I can't communicate. I can't communicate. I can't communicate. Would I ever be doing what I'm doing today? Yes, you, when you try things and you step up, yes, there, there's going to be some things you may fall on your face. But that's the failure isn't your identity. To he who sees himself as unclean. And you could put any word to replace the word unclean and it would work. It would. Because you're going to step in to the mindset that you have. What is normal? What's normal defined as? Conforming to a standard, usual, typical, expected, or average. There's nothing about any of those words I like. Conforming to a standard. Uh, usual, tip, uh, yeah, typical, yeah. That's just like you, you're typical. You're just like every other man. You're, I'm just saying, just typical. You all got quiet. <laughs> But that's what common is. Common is just normal. Usual. Expected. Average. 
Ah, they're average. Average. Well, you know, so, so how, I mean, you go to a restaurant and, and you go tell someone else about it and they say, well, how was that restaurant? Uh, average. Do you think they want to go back? Do you think they would want to go? There's nothing average that we like. What does average mean? Typical, uh, like the majority. Not great, mm, just okay. But we're not normal. We are excellent men. We are rising up and we're leaving behind normal. I want our wives to say about us, man, Justin's not like typical men. I, I, I want child, my children to say, he's, 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 not, he's not normal. He's not average. He's, he's not like the rest of the world. He's different. If you're a part of this church and this church, I don't want you to say, uh, he's an average pastor. No. And I don't want to say, but oh, they're just the average church goer. Yeah, they're the average men in the church, you know. You know, sometimes they show up, sometimes they don't. Sometimes they serve, but they're late. You see, you see, it's just, we have to think of ourselves on a different level. Because yes. when we think of ourselves on another level, we'll live on a different level. That's right. Hallelujah. Years ago, there was a book put out by Harrison House by a guy named John Mason, and he said, Conquering an Enemy Called Average. <laughs> you know, Mr. Brazil remembers that book. Um, Hallelujah. Where are we, we going to go, Lord? Go to Job 8. That was my introduction. And say, I'm not normal. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Oh, I'm in, I'm in the wrong chapter. Verse 7. It says, Though your beginning was small, yet your latter end would increase abundantly. Though your beginning was small, yet your latter end would increase abundantly. So it's not about where you are right now. But it's where God sees you. Yeah, right now, I might be here. But wait till you see my latter end. <laughs> yeah, yeah, th th that's, that's how I lived 
five years ago, but hey, look at my life now. And you see my life right now? Wait till you see my latter end. You haven't seen nothing yet. See, right now we see you where you are right now, but I want you to know God sees your latter end. Right now you may see yourself as small, but you need to start getting a picture of your latter end because right now you may be small, but hey, your latter end looks so much greater than where you are right now. And all of us, we've, some of us, we've come long ways from where we were, but I'm telling you, there's still more, there's still more, there's still more. Yeah, I'm still short. I got it, (laughs) but I'm telling you spiritually, (laughs) I'm a giant. It's not exterior. It's not the outside. It's what's on the inside. And if, you, if we don't fix this and we don't fix the mindset that we have, because that's what changes the outside. You are a direct product of your internal thought life Amen. and the mindset you have. So if you have an unclean mindset, you know what? Your actions are going to be unclean. Anyone who is immoral in life, it's all because it was started with an immoral thought life. So we want to be moral in life and live with uprightness and live in rightness, then then there has to be a shift in our internal processing. I mean, we've used this definition. The definition of insanity is to keep doing the same thing and expecting different results. I'm going to keep doing it this way because, you know, this is the way I like to do it. And you wonder why you keep things keep messing up or why things aren't turning out the way, because there has to be a shift inside. And the shift I'm dealing with this morning is you having a revelation and understanding that you are uncommon. I am not going to make that decision, do these things, respond this way. Why? Because, no, I'm not like the rest of the world. I'm not going to treat them like that. I'm not going to respond this way. No, I'm different. I'm different. I'm different. Though your latter beginning is small, your latter end will greatly increase. Do you know we have the ability to increase our life? It's not, in, it's not up to God. It's up to us. He set things in motion when he sent Jesus He gave us the the word. He gave us the ability to overcome. He's given us everything we need in this word. We can increase our lives. But it's all about what you're beholding. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, as you behold him, he goes, we are transformed from one degree of glory to another degree of glory, even as by the spirit of the Lord. So as I'm beholding him, I become like him. My ladder, my beginning is small. As I behold him, my ladder end will greatly increase. You see that? And it says it's even as by the spirit of the Lord. Settle in your heart that you are no longer settling for normal or settling for average. For the rest of our time this morning, Concerning this, 
because it's, it's that transformation from one degree of glory to another degree of glory is by the Spirit of the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord is the difference maker. We see this in a pattern throughout Scripture. We see ordinary men getting extraordinary results because of the Spirit of the Lord. And we could call the Spirit of the Lord the anointing. We could look at Gideon. You know the story of Gideon, most of us. He was not just from the poorest family, poorest tribe, but he was also least in his father's house. But God called him, you mighty man of valor. Judges 6.34, it said, the spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon. What was the difference maker? The spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon. Samson's entire life story is summed up in Judges 14, 19, and it says, and the spirit of the Lord came upon him. The spirit of the Lord came upon him throughout his life, and then when he fell, and the spirit of the Lord left him in his latter end, when he killed more in his death than he did in his life, it said, and the spirit of the Lord came upon him. It was the spirit of the Lord coming upon an individual that calls them to do uncommon things. 1 Samuel 16, 13 talks of when Samuel anointed David with oil, it said the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. If there's anything exceptional about Gideon, if there's anything exceptional about Joseph, anything exceptional about Samson, anything exceptional about uh, David, it's the spirit of the Lord. So what's going to cause you to be exceptional? What's going to cause you to be extraordinary? It's going to be the spirit of the Lord. It's going to be the anointing upon your life. It's not going to be about how educated you might get, although education helps. It's not about, it's not about how, how, uh, how you may do things. No, it's about the spirit of the Lord upon your life. Go to 2 Samuel chapter 5. 2 Samuel chapter 5. Second Samuel chapter five. Let's look in verse nine. It says, then David dwelt in the stronghold and called it the city of David. And David built all around from Milo and inward. So David went on and he became great and the Lord God of hosts was with him. Now listen, David dwelt in the stronghold and called it the city of David. So David was calling something that hadn't been called yet. And it says, and he built all around from Milo and inward. Now, this is a weird word, Milo. This word Milo means a defensed walled city. So what I want, what the Lord wants me to bring out here is that David built his protection before he took care of the inside. He built from Milo, meaning what happened first is he set up a guard around him and then he took care of the inward. 
As men, if we're going to be extraordinary, we need to set up a guard around us. We need to set up parameters in life, the things, the things that we will do and the things we won't do. The places I will go, the places I won't go. The people I'll hang out with, the people I won't hang out with. The music I listen to, the music I don't listen to. The movies I watch, the movies I don't watch. You know, for me, as, as, as a guard, and there's been a few occasions, but, but for 16 years, and I know it's, it is, I'm not saying this is a law for you, but this is for me. For my wife and I, when she goes to, if she goes to bed and there's some things, she might have a busy day the next day, I'm not tired, I've got to stay up, I turn the TV off. We a lot of times go to bed at the same time. I know that doesn't, doesn't work. Why? Because for me, it's accountability. It's safety. There's things that you just don't, there's things I just don't do. Why? For me, it's a guard. I know how the enemy works. I know how the enemy operates. There's places that you shouldn't take your phone. There's places that you shouldn't, there, there's things that you, you, what is it? It sets a guard. Why? Because what I'm interested in is something uncommon. Not common. I'm not going to be like men in the rest of the world. You, you set up parameters. And whatever those parameters might look like for you. So, like I said, for the most part, Annette and I, we go to bed at the same time. Now, we may go to bed and then I may read the Bible on my phone. But I'm saying, there, there's things that we do. Now, there's a few occasions where I, I, I could be watching something or whatever, or listening to something, listening to worship on YouTube or, or something like that. But, but the point is, is what David had to do is he had to be, he worked on, the, on building the parameters first and that, okay, then that's going to see, because there's no need to, to, to build the inside of the city if the city is not protected to begin with. And it was in what he did that he, David went on and became great. He went on, became great. But what did he do first? He, he built, he went Milo and then he worked inward. He built the fortress first and then he worked on the inside. And it says, then, uh, it says, then Hiram, king of Tyre, sent messages to David and cedar trees and carpenters and masons, and they built David a house. Now, I walk, everyone will build me a house. Praise the Lord. No, just kidding. Just kidding. And they built David a house. So David knew, now listen, David knew that the Lord had established him as king over Israel. I'm telling you, there's things that God is establishing you for. In Samuel, when it talked about, I think, I'm not sure what chapter, might be chapter two or three or four. And it said this, that Samuel established himself as the prophet of Israel. Now, he, 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 he knew that God had called him, but he had to make a decision in his mind that he'd established himself as the prophet of Israel. And here it says, because things were happening and things were getting in order, David established God. He knew that God established him as the king of Israel. There's things that you need to establish in your heart on what God's called you to do. Yes. Does that make sense? Yes. 
There's a lot of meat here this morning. So David knew the Lord had established him as king over Israel and that he had exalted his kingdom for the sake of the people Israel. Now get this. God did not exalt him for David to be exalted. He did it for the people of Israel. You are, we are not becoming uncommon men of God for ourselves, but because people need us. Amen. Glory to God. People need us. He wasn't being king just so God could say, oh, look, the King David. No, he was establishing king because they needed a king like David. They needed someone uncommon to step in there. And God's looking for uncommon men that will step in. Why? Because there's people that need us. So David became greater and greater. The Lord was with him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Go to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. Are you with me this morning? Thank you, Father. Now, if we look at, if we were started to Luke chapter 3, we see that Jesus was anointed and baptized by John. So, in order to become uncommon, it starts with an uncommon desire. I, f- I knew I had a call in my life. I had a couple roommates after I got born again, and, and they knew they had calls on their life. I would sit in the living room and read my Bible. Because you're always in the Bible. Yeah, I'm in the Bible. Because there was something in me that I had an uncommon desire. I'm not saying I was perfect by no means. By no means. No, you still have to monitor your desires because, because the thing is, is I'm walking in what I'm walking in because of, of knowing and, and discovering the word of God, not because of Justin's so smart or I know the scriptures. No, that, that there's a lot more that goes into that. But, but it was like, I would go next door and there was just something in me that wanted to pray. And I'd walk around the sanctuary at midnight on Saturday night, church was the next day, and I'd go and clean, and I'm walking around the, the sanctuary, and I'm praying. I'm getting a vision, uh, and the Lord's showing me things about my life. And, and the thing is, it's like, in the, in the natural, I'm like, I could never do that. I could never do that. I don't want to do that and, and all that. And, and, but there was things that he was depositing in me, and that some of the things that I saw when I was walking around that, that sanctuary... In 1994, 1995, 96, 97, I've seen myself doing here. I've seen myself in Africa doing those things. But was there something in me that was uncommon? And it wasn't just going to happen automatic. So I'm bringing this out because Jesus had an uncommon desire. 
He went and was baptized. He grew up at, at 12 years of age and he'd go to his parents and he goes, didn't you know where I'd be in my father's house about my father's business? That's uncommon. How many 12 year olds do you, do you, do you see hanging out with the rabbis? Teaching. And you're like, oh, well, he was Jesus. Do you realize a 12 year old, by the time they're eight years old, they already knew the Torah backwards and forwards? <laughs> and we look at, you have an eight year old, you're like, do you think they could know the Torah backwards and forwards? If you know what the Torah is, that's the first five books of the Bible. But think about that. And so Jesus is and tells his parents, don't you know where I'd be in my father's house about my father's business? And people at work, you can say, why, why are you always in church? Well, hey, I'm in my father's house and about my father's business. Why do you always go? Why are you always listening to worship music? Why are you always you reading your Bible? Why? Hey, I'm in my, fa- I, I got to be about my father's business. Why? Because I was created for something uncommon. Now I'm not talking and telling you to be arrogant and stupid and uh, prideful and, 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 and try to make people feel stupid or less than or self-righteous. That's not the point this morning. Okay. But the point is to be uncommon. It starts with an uncommon desire. And Jesus was to be in the house of God, to know the word of God, to be baptized. And it was because of that uncommon desire that he, he could come out of what we, we could read here in Luke chapter four, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the broken heart. And Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's caused me to be uncommon. Jesus wasn't normal, typical, average because he was filled with the Spirit. Without turning there, Matthew 4, 25, it said a great multitude followed him. Why? Because he was uncommon. Matthew 14, 13, people heard and they followed him on foot to other cities. Why? Because he was uncommon. Go to John 3. I did, never did Luke, read Luke 4, but go to John 3. Talk about Nicodemus. Verse two says, this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher. Come from God. We know you've come from God for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Even Nicodemus, man, no one can do these things unless we know that God is with him. What makes us anointed? What makes us uncommon is the fact that God is with us. What makes us uncommon is the anointing. If you're taking notes, just make references of Genesis 41, 38, where Pharaoh said about Joseph, can anyone find a man like this in whom the spirit of God is? The world is seeking extraordinary people. I mean, if we just think about in our world today, you know, you have shows like America's Got Talent. You know, uh, American Idol or The Voice or, you know, just different things, athletes and sports. Why? Everything, looking for someone extraordinary. Looking, people are looking to see something uncommon, to see something great. So Jesus tells the disciples, go to Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high and tells them that you are, you'll be witnesses. Hallelujah. Let's go to Acts 6. Just a few more things. Acts 
uncommon. Uncommon. Before I read this, just a couple verses, chapters before in Acts 4. After James and John, they healed that man at the gate. And he said, hey, these are unlearned and ignorant men. He says, but we can tell they've been with Jesus. Means something's different about them. We can tell they've been with Jesus. In Acts 6, verse 1 says, Now in those days when the number of disciples was multiplied, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men. Now what is it? Good reputation. Good reputation. What's your reputation like? Full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business, but we will give ourselves continued to prayer so that we may give ourselves continued to prayer and the ministry of the word and the same please the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. So what happened? Seven men. Choose seven men of what? That were uncommon. They were uncommon. This, this is how the church began to expand because they had got to this point where they needed more leaders. They needed greater things. They needed, they needed more influence. And so, so hey, we, hey we're, we're overcome by this. We're doing all this and we need some other people to take, take over. So what? It was needing some people that were uncommon. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. To be uncommon, it starts with an uncommon desire. Uncommon desires produce uncommon pursuits. And uncommon pursuits will produce an uncommon life. Let me close with this last thing, I believe. John 15. How do we come to a place of growing in this idea of being uncommon. One, we already dealt with at the very beginning, don't call common or don't call unclean what God calls clean. Don't see yourself as common any longer. Let's look at verse one of John 15. Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away. Uh, worship team, can you come up? Danny. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. Hallelujah. In verse two, what, what can we see here? Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Let's, let's look at this as from a personal perspective. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. See yourself as a tree for a moment. And your life can have so many branches. 
and look at your life and areas of your life that may not be fruitful. What does it say? Every branch in me. There's times in life where I actually prayed this, even though I know what he's talking about here. But I said, Lord, if there's things in my life that aren't fruitful, show me what it is and take it away. Let me acknowledge it and get rid of it. So every branch in me that doesn't bear fruit, he takes away. Then it says, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. So what? That it may bear more fruit. He says, you are already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you, meaning you're already pruned and, and branches have already been taken off. How? By the word. Do you want to know how God prunes your life for more fruit and how he takes away fruit? It's going to be because of the word. You're clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. What's going to make you clean? It's the word of God that's going to make you clean. It's the word of God that deposits in you that's going to cause you to be uncommon. Hallelujah. You are already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. Then he says this, abide in me and I in you as a branch cannot bear fruit in itself unless it abide in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches and he who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered and they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. It's in our connection with heaven that's going to cause us to be uncommon and to live uncommon. We have to have an uncommon desire. We have to have uncommon pursuits. That's what this is. Pursuits is, is about abiding in him and abiding in the word. Uncommon desires produce uncommon pursuits that produce an uncommon life. Amen. Stand to your feet. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Do you receive that word this morning? Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. We praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Mm. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. We praise you, Father. Mm. Hallelujah. No, the world has tried to shape you into a mold, as Romans 12 tells us. But we have to refuse to fit into that mold and say, no, I'm, I am too uncommon for that mold. Amen. Or look at it this way. I have too much in me to fit in that mold. And from this day forward, what God calls clean, I'm going to call clean. I'm not going to call myself unclean because remember what it said? He who sees himself as unclean will be unclean. You'll live it out. 
And I had in my heart to lay hands on each one of you this morning. For me as a pastor to declare over you, each one of you, that you are anointed and that you are uncommon. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for the word. Lord, I was obedient to share exactly what you told me to share this morning. And so, Lord, I thank you for signs and wonders following the word preached. Before I lay hands on them, I thank you that there is a desire on the inside of them to be uncommon. I declare that they have uncommon desires, they will have uncommon pursuits, and they will have an uncommon life. And you told me to lay hands on each one of them, so as I lay hands on them, I release you on the inside of them. I release the Spirit of the Lord on the inside of them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do what you desire to do by your spirit today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, that this church is filled with uncommon and anointed people. Hallelujah. 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 Lord, we receive the anointing to live uncommon. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for what you did by the Holy Spirit and by the Word last night and what you did today, this morning, that we will look back and when we face temptations, we face trials, disappointments, We want to look at those situations and say, no, I'm, I'm uncommon. I'm anointed. I'm anointed. I'm uncommon. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. We praise you for it. Thank you for taking us higher. Lord, and as we leave today, I thank you, Lord, that your presence will continue to build and grow, surround us, and then we'll come back tomorrow morning expecting great things. We thank you for it. I thank you for every man here and even those that couldn't make it, Lord, I'm grateful for men of valor, men that have a hunger after God, men that are anointed. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Hallelujah. Before we dismiss, I want to thank Freddie and his team once again for just everything that they did. Amen. Um, Also, I just had my heart to ask you a question and said you don't need to come to me personally, but we have this green bowl up here and and you say, Pastor, I feel like God's called me to men's ministry and and you feel like you have a, a calling in that 
um, just put it on a note. Just put your name and uh, we, we probably have it in PCO, but put your name and phone number and email address on there and just put it in the, in the green, green thing, just praying over some things uh, as we approach and get ready for 2024. And um, other than that, so if that's something that's in your heart, um, just write, write a note in there and I'll know what it's for. So, so did you see something today? Amen. Amen. Uh, other than that, love you all. God bless and go give him Jesus. <laughs>